Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. We also have four other team-focused NBA podcasts, including Knock a Few Buck, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, and Blazing the Path. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, too, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. In here with me today, Amadou So, Dan Galinsky from King James Gospel. How you guys doing? It's good to have you back. Yeah, it's great to be on the pod again, you know, just going with the flow. Yep, always uh, always nice to have Saturday. Always. Well, today, what we got to talk about here is the new NBA restart target date, which they have pushed up a lot further than it has been in the past. And, um, of course, we have some Andre Drummond news to get to as well. So we'll start with the NBA. They're targeting December 22nd as a start date for next season. Obviously, that's three days before Christmas. They want to get those Christmas games in. They are proposing a 72-game schedule, and they also want to incorporate the play-in tourney, which we saw this season with the Grizzlies and uh, Trailblazers. And they also want to have a two-week break in the middle of the season. Um, this likely means that the All-Star game in India is going to get canceled. This leaves a very short break for the bubble teams, especially the ones who made deep playoff runs here. And it also leaves very little time for rookies in this year's draft to, to kind of prep and you know get kind of integrated into their teams. Of course, the NBA PA still has to agree to this. But, Dan, we'll start with you. What's kind of your just initial thoughts and your, what were your initial reactions to this proposal by the NBA? Well, it's it's interesting just because Adam Silver said that his best guess before for the um, kind of 2021 start, if you will, um, was was in January, it seemed. So I just think, as, as you touched on, I think for rookies, it, you kind of have to take it, realize that they might – have a quick turnaround there um, from the draft to um, that you would think the training camp is, is going to be pretty quick. Not, not a whole lot of time to um, have the 
players together in that way. So um, I, I think from from a fan's perspective, it's it's nice to see. But I think for guys like Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and and KPJ, it's probably good for them for those incumbent young pieces in a way just to be able to finally get out on the, f- the floor again in game action. Amadou, what were your initial thoughts when you first saw this proposal? Um, It actually kind of shocked me because December 22nd is just about two months away at this point. A very, very, very quick turnaround. As you did say, Adam Silver did say he was looking maybe to start towards the end of January. So do I believe this one will get you know started around that time? I just don't think so. I don't know. I'm not as optimistic as maybe other people are because you have to, of course, like you said, the NBA PA has to agree to this and also the players have to agree to this. I feel like a big reason as to why, you know, the bubble worked last time is because we were close to the playoffs. You know, a lot of players wanted to compete for that championship. You know, it was easier. Now, you know, do you want, I'd assume it'd be another bubble, you know, type of ordeal. Maybe this time you can bring families, but, you know, a 72 game season, will people be, you know, more likely to accept this one? Or not, because we do know uh, last time we had the bubble or during the bubble, it was a lot of talk about how, you know, players didn't like it. They were confined. They weren't able to see their families. So personally, I don't think it'll get done on December 22nd. Um, if it does, great. Of course, you know, like you said, we get to see Cavs basketball again uh, for guys like Colin Sexton, Darius Garland and KPJ get to see them play. But overall, I just I just don't think it'll happen on December 22nd. Well, overall, I think. Some of the little things in this plan, such as that 72-game schedule for this season, I think that's something that the NBA, if that's something that they could incorporate long-term, I think that's something that would make the players happy, just slightly reducing the number of games. I think also adding in a play-in tournament kind of helps with that because you get a few extra you know, high-stakes games at the end of the season. And another reason to do this is the NBA does want to get not this upcoming season, but the season after that. They want that to be on a regular schedule. They don't want to keep having to, you know, have all these weird dates for the league to start. You also have to consider that the Olympics are going to be this summer, and obviously we have no clue what's going to happen there. But obviously USA Basketball does want NBA players to play, and if you can get this season started sooner rather than later... Maybe that they're going to be available for the summer, and maybe you don't get the top end guys and the guys who were in, you know, maybe the finals or made deep playoff runs because they want their rest. But I definitely understand wanting to start this soon. As far as a bubble, I obviously again we 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 don't have all these details, but I wouldn't be too shocked to see kind of what baseball has done and what football is sort of doing. And I don't think it'll be like football exactly, but to where. We will, well, obviously, original, some of the original reports is that it could be pushed back as far as February or March, and that wasn't a hope to get fans back in arenas. I still think that we could see teams playing in arenas. I just think it will be with very, very, very limited to no fans. But I do think they will be playing in their home markets. We've obviously seen reports like that the Raptors might play in Louisville this season just because of travel bans for COVID. I think that the plan is to play in arenas. Whether fans are there or not, again, is to be seen. But, again, we'll have to keep monitoring the situation because, again, like you said, the, the, the NBA PA or the MBPA does still have to agree to this. This is being recorded Saturday at pretty much noon. Uh, by the time this goes up on Monday, maybe they will have agreed to that. So we'll have to see what happens there. But overall, kind of surprising things because it looked like 
the start date for a while there was going to be, like you said, kind of MLK day to late January. So definitely surprising to see him try to start up this early. But um, overall, for, I like it for the Cavs. I mean, we haven't – it's been so long since we've seen them play. Those teams that got knocked out of the bubble early and the teams that didn't go to the bubble are definitely ready to play. Um, I think only having about a month to get your rookies kind of back into – you know, kind of into the system – is a disadvantage, but it'll be, you know, the same for every team. And overall, well, that could, you know, kind of stunt the beginning. I, I don't think that's going to be too big of a loss long-term. So overall, I'm, I'm a fan of this whole proposal and I'd like to see Christmas day games. I mean, Christmas, I just feel like it would be weird without basketball. So we'll move on here to the Andre Drummond news of the day. We were talking about him last time. We'll talk about him again here. Report from Basketball News said a source says that Drummond is genuinely undecided about what to do with his option. Um, Bickerstaff says that he is planning for the future with Andre. Says he has huge expectations for him. Uh, said the two have talked indirectly about the future. He says Bickerstaff hasn't asked him directly about his option, what he's going to do with it. But they have talked about the future about this coming season, and the talks were positive. Um Amadou, what are your kind of what ways? What's your kind of gut feeling about Andre right now and what he's gonna do? I just feel like it. It just seems like every other week Andre just changes his decision on what he wants to do. Personally, I feel like all of this is just talk. I think his value on the market is nowhere near his player option. And considering that he only played eight games with the Cavs, maybe he'd want to you know get some more games in to see how it really feels. Personally, I just believe that he'll accept his player option. I feel like all this talk is just. It's just talk. Dan, where are you where are you leaning right now? How are you feeling about this? Yeah, I, I don't I don't see it being realistic that he doesn't actually exercise that. It, it, given what Amadou said, his he needs to he slash his representation need to be objective and realize that he's not going to get close to that going forward. Um, just at this point, we kind of know what he is. And if, if he's really going to have that next evolution in his game, well, I, I don't think teams will buy into that enough to give him really in that realm if he declined his option and, and look for a long-term deal. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's teams out there. There's Charlotte, obviously, is one that in theory could give him money. Uh, the Knicks have a lot of non-guaranteed contracts. They could find a way to give them money. The Knicks, I think that was one that basketballnews.com kind of recommended as a potential destination for New York, for Drummond. I think that one's just kind of funny because I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, despite it not making sense because they have Mitchell Robinson there. I wouldn't be shocked at all if, I, if they threw some money at him or if a sign-and-trade was worked out somehow. Again, I, I don't think that there's it makes any sense for Andre to opt out, but seeing the report that he is still genuinely undecided and just considering how far apart the two sides are on contract extensions and that while JB is kind of trying to be positive in the situation he has to be, he's still just kind of completely deflecting the question of, you know, what is going to happen with there, what happened with Drummond there. So in the event that Drummond were to opt out. The cap is likely to stay pretty much flat this year at $109 million. 
The Cavaliers currently have about $81.7 million committed. Without Bell, I'm, I'm just assuming that they probably cut Bell. So this is without Bell, without Drummond, and without Pick. That leaves the number five overall pick. That leaves about $27.5 million. Now, with the pick on the roster, that leaves you with about $21 million. Obviously, you have cap holds for both Tristan Thompson and Matthew Delvadova, who are both free agents. They're going to renounce Delvadova. Um, Tristan Thompson does have a really big cap hold at about $27.8 million. If they... If Drummond were to opt out of this deal and the Cavaliers wanted to have money to spend in free agency, they could renounce the rights, their bird rights, to Tristan Thompson as well. That would get rid of his cap hold. And then if they wanted to make a deal, we'll talk about a few potential you know, targets in free agency, they could come back afterwards and sign Tristan Thompson to their mid-level, which I think especially with Andre Drummond out of the picture, it makes sense to give a... Tristan, even a multi-year deal if he wants it, you could give him two, three years at the mid-level. I don't think that'd be the worst thing in the world. But there is a realistic way for the Cavs to have about $21 million to spend in free agency if Andre Drummond opts out of his player option. So, like I said, we have four targets here, just kind of early targets. You know, obviously, if this actually does happen, we can dive a little bit deeper into some things. But the first one that I want to target here is Christian Wood, who is a 25-year-old kind of power forward center for the Pistons. He has spent time with Philadelphia, Charlotte, Milwaukee, New Orleans, and Detroit over the past four seasons. Um, obviously, this year was his breakout year, especially after Drummond was traded and he got that opportunity to shine. He did finish uh, fourth overall in the six-man-of-the-year voting this year, and he kind of had a case for even most improved player. I know he wasn't getting a ton of votes there, but he did have a case. Um, Dan, what do you like about Christian Wood, and do you like the potential fit for him in Cleveland? Well, I just like that there's we've seen um, stretch big uh, potential, um, and I just think with him, he's a guy that can put the ball on the deck at the at the five. Um, really specifically, I think is always kind of a a nice thing to be able to have if your five man can do that and more in like kind of drives created from the perimeter and um, at least be a good enough or a relevant enough pick, pick and pop threat to be able to kind of take advantage of slower bigs, more traditional bigs to um, which over time, I think really opens up things for you offensively. Um, I just think with him, you look at the, inside out kind of trend. It seems like he's trending upward in that way. Um, really athletic. He's, he's a guy that obviously is a high flyer as well. Um, kind of just uh, would be an upgrade offensively from Drummond in the sense that it probably not the post presence of Drummond. No, but, and Drummond at least has shown flashes of playmaking a little bit more, but I, I just think would, He's got a little bit – he's got somewhat of a handle for, at the five, which is always nice to have. So I just think with him, you, you look at the tra- trajectory and what he's been able to show um, with the Wisconsin herd, for example, um, just when he's had opportunities to to make things happen, he's, he's shown that he can do that. Yeah, with the herd. And he was really good in his, his short stint in New Orleans as well. Um in these last 15 games for him, he averaged 22 points, 9.5 rebounds, and a steal and a block, basically. 
and shot 41% from three. He shot, I think, 38% on the season. Um, he's kind of more been, he's always kind of been more of a power forward. He is about 6'10. I think yeah. he's under 220 pounds, 220 pounds. Um, Amadou, do you see him as a long term starting five or where would you put his natural position at? Hmm. Um, I would probably just play him where I feel like he'd best fit the team. And on the Cavs, I would believe that would be the five position. Concerning that, Kevin Love would probably want to stay at that power four position. Just for us, maybe for other teams, they like to play him at the four or the five. But personally, on the Cavs, I would love him at the five position. I just feel like having that combination of that pick-and-pop threat as well as being athletic enough to be a lob threat, that's a great, great, great combo to have. Again, he's only 25. He does fit our timeline better than an Andre Drummond would. But my only question or kind of concern is with Christian Wood. Christian Wood had like this little, I don't know what you want to call it. You know, he had this little moment, I guess, on Instagram Live where he just went on Instagram Live for like, what, two minutes? And he was asking the viewers where he should go in free agency. And people were naming off some teams. And then just after two minutes, he just left. So... I just don't know if Christian Wood wants to go back to the Detroit Pistons. And that's interesting because if he doesn't, I mean, yeah, the Cavs could make a running for at him. But another thing is if Christian Wood doesn't want to go back to the Pistons, who I believe can give him the most money, who, you know, the team that he kind of broke out with. I just I just don't know if he wants to come to the Cavaliers. I feel like maybe he's looking toward a team that's winning or a team that is just maybe a big market team. And looking at the teams that have money this year. A team like Phoenix, you know, they made the bubble. They went, what, 10-0 in the bubble. Of course, it's Phoenix. I don't know. I don't know. If the Cavs were to throw some money at him, 25 mil, you know, or actually doing have 21 mil. 21 mil for Christian Wood. Is that something that you guys would do? I mean, for the, what, it was the last 25 or so games that he was just great for the, uh, the Pistons after Drummond was traded. Is that sample size enough to warrant a big contract by Christian Wood? Dan, I'll let you answer that one first, and then I'll go to it. Uh, it, it's a good question. I was thinking of it as I was answering the last bit there. Um, it, that it's it's a fair take. I, I probably wouldn't do it. I wouldn't exactly jump to it. Um, and I don't know. I, I guess with the Cavs though, it's uh, it, it's tough because are, are you? What's the plan if you do that? To me, I think you have to give him and Love like a good stretch of sample to see if that's really that viable. And the only problem is with Wood, he's, he's got, he can protect the rim um, to a degree, plays with verticality, um, good helper in that, in that sense. But um, it, it's tough because defensively, I really, I, I do have my concerns almost in the opposite way from Drummond, given that he is, he's slender if he's playing at the five, has I just wonder if he's playing really like thirty five minutes a night? Is he? He's probably going to have foul trouble issues, um, especially with uh, the backcourt that the Cavs have and young guys that are going to struggle defensively to a large extent. I'd probably at this point, given the pretty small sample, I'd probably veer away from that. If it were, if you were able to get him for maybe 15 a year, I, I, I'd look at it more, but it's, it, it is tough because we just haven't seen a whole lot of it. Yeah. What I was going to say is I, I don't think that any team is going to offer him that much money. Um, yeah, nor do I. There, there were reports saying that, you know, he 
might end up being forced to take his mid-level or take a mid-level, which is going to be about eight, nine million dollars again. Um, I think his market is going to be more than that. I think there will be a team that offers him more than that. Again, I, I kind of had him in that 15, 16 million range as, you know, something that could convince him to come because I think he is going to be in line for, you know, a big payday. And I, I think he wants that. Again, he's been just kind of bouncing around the league. I think he's looking for a, a long-term stable contract with yeah. some real money on it, but I don't think it's nobody's going to give him. I don't think north of twenty million, and if they did, I'd be shocked. Again, he's a good player, but he's not going to be, especially in this in this kind of situation that we're in with the cap not you know growing, and we don't know what the figures are going to be moving forward. I think if I were to put a cap on what he could earn, I would say eighteen million, and I think that would be really, really, really surprising if he got that much. I think. His range is more in the, like I said, 15, we'll say 14 to 16 million. I think a team will offer him. I think in this situation, the Cavs could be that team. I wouldn't be upset with that. Well, can I, can I just offer a comparison? Would you rather have sure. Wood or would you rather have Miles Turner? No, Miles Turner, 100%. Yeah, I'd take Miles Turner. I'd take Turner too. Yeah, yeah. Just because you Turner's said that. Turner's making 118. Just because you said that eighteen mil range is the only reason I yeah. I suggested yeah. that yeah, but that's Turner f- I think is definitely the better guy yeah. But another thing that you're talking about with um, you know, playing him that many minutes at the five, that's why I am kind of hesitant with this as well. But I think if you can bring back Tristan Thompson as well, that yeah. gives you a really good center rotation. Whereas you know, you can play Tristan against you know those more traditional fives. And he can soak up a lot of those minutes. You don't have to just – you don't have to have Christian Wood as your only center on the roster and him not really being a center. You can it, you can bring Tristan Thompson back in this situation and really do it without a problem considering, you know, luxury tax concerns. So I, that's not something that concerns me as much. Again, it, that's assuming that Tristan wants to come back as well. But overall, what would, you, what would be your max number, Amadou? For Christian Wood, yeah, um, yeah, I would agree with you guys. Maybe that 14, 15, 16 range. I probably wouldn't go past that. Twenty mil for Christian Wood. I just feel like that's way too much. That would and be you'd a have lot. To imagine, yeah. yeah, that'd be maybe like a four year deal. I just don't know if I'm gonna commit that much money to a guy like Christian Wood. Thinking that you know, Colin Saxon, his extensions coming up. Of course, potentially we're gonna um, give extensions to Kevin Porter Jr. and Darius Garland when those come up. I just feel like Christian Wood's contract would just get in the way of that. Yeah. And another thing you do have to kind of take into consideration with Wood is that kind of almost immaturity. Um, yeah. You kind of alluded to it with him going on Instagram. Was it Instagram Live? And yeah, it was Instagram Live, yeah. And that's kind of been something that's been following him throughout his career. Is th- This was somebody who, when he was a prospect, was considered a first-round talent who went undrafted largely in part due to just kind of immaturity and off-court issues. So, obviously, I mean, he's figured it out on the court. We'll see if he can sustain that. But there is always that little hint of doubt with the off-court stuff as well, which might turn some teams away from him. You just have to find out there. We'll move on to our second guy on the list here, Jeremy Grant, a kind of combo forward at this point for the Nuggets. He's 26 years old. Um, He's expected to opt out of his $9.3 million player option. Showed this year really that he's uh, just a, a good wing defender, can guard either wing position or either forward position really well, 
And he's someone who I can really see doing a good enough job guarding pretty much any position. I don't think he's an elite defender, but he's a capable one pretty much across the board. Um, I think him showing the ability to really give a lot of small forward this minutes was really important for him this year as well. Um, he obviously had a good shooting year from deep. He had a great playoff run. Um, overall, that could have kind of inflated his value more than he's actually worth just because of that recent run. He could command kind of in that same Christian Wood range of maybe $16 million a year, 14 to 16 Um The Cavs might have to go higher than that just to pry him away from Denver because I think Denver is – well, one, Denver's probably a better situation for him, and I think Denver's also probably willing to pay him that much. Um They have signaled – you know, there's, there's mutual interest there, I think, in bringing him back. Um Dan, we'll go with you on this one to start. Just thoughts on Jeremy Grant as a player and how he would fit in Cleveland. I like Jeremy Grant. Um, really athletic player. Um, explosive vertically. He's got good quickness. Got nice size as well. Um, 26 years old. Going to be 27 this next year. Um, the problem is with with Grant, I, I just wonder in that kind of Denver Good ball movement, man movement system. Uh, got player playmate, multiple playmakers on the floor with him. Has the best passing big playing with him. I, I just question with the Cavs, how, how long does it take him to really make an impact offensively? Um, what position is he going to play with the Cavs? I, I would think it'd be more the four. I just I, I don't know how him and say like Larry Nance if you have to play those lineups, which I think you would have to a good a good number of the of the time. Um, how does he fit with Andre Drummond? I, I'm not really that crazy about Grant with the Cavs. Well, keep in mind these these situations are assuming that Andre opts out and he's not here. Right? Yeah, that's fair. I, I just I, I would think that maybe you bring TT back if if you're going after Grant. That's that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I just I don't know if the Cavs do they have playmaking issues um, by and large. I, I just I don't I question how Grant would fit in. I I don't really think he's a guy that all that consistently creates his own offense. So I, I don't really love it in that way. Amadou, what are your thoughts on Grant's fit in Cleveland? Um, I think Dan just really hit it right there. Um, I like Grant as a player, but like. Dan said he played on the Nuggets with the best passing big with Jamal Murray in a system that, you know, really catered to him. He's, you know, he's a great off-ball player. You know, he's not going to be creating his own shot. And also, like Dan said, what would his fit be on the team? Now, of course, this is assuming that Drummond will be gone. But Grant, he's not going to play the five, you know, um, at least play the five for 25, 30 minutes a game. Does Kevin Love want to play the five? I don't think so. I think the Cavs have maybe went away with that. And, of course, Grant is not going to play the four, uh, the four, excuse me, because Kevin Love is there. So... Is he going to play the three? And if he does, I just don't know how he, I just don't know how he'd fit on the team altogether. Um, would he come off the bench? And if that's the case, do you want to play, pay, excuse me, $18 million for a guy who's going to do similar things to maybe a Larry Nance would do? I just, I just don't see, you know, the interest there personally. And even then, I mean, how much money, how much more money are we going to have to pay for the, uh, rather than the Nuggets for us to pry him away? I, I just I just don't think, you know, Jeremy Grant is a valuable option for the Cavaliers. You're probably right on that. And I, 
the thought process here, I think, is if Cleveland were to be interested in him, you would have to be sold on the fact that you'd have to be sold on his ability to play the small forward position and start next to Kevin Love and whoever the center is. Because, obviously, like you said, he's not going to be a, a five. But we did see, especially in the playoffs, him play a lot next to both Jokic and Millsap. And he really, really did thrive in that role. Um, he had some 20-point games. He's obviously really good in transition. I think the versatility I do like there, again, this is all assuming that, again, you you are sold on his ability to play small forward because he does fit into those big lineups as well. Playing at the small forward, you can play Nance at the small forward in stretches. You can play, then play two bigs. So I, I like him in that situation. Overall, again, I just like the defensive, you know, prowess that he brings. He's not somebody who's a lockdown guy. But overall, it just brings defensive versatility and shooting. Overall, you're probably going to end up... Any team that takes Jeremy Grant out of Denver, if that happens, is pro- they're probably going to end up overpaying him, which I don't exactly want Cleveland to do. Overall, I do like the fit because I do think he can end up being a long-term small forward, even if the four is kind of more of his natural position. But I'm kind of in agreement with you both there as he's probably just... He's not out of the price range for the Cavs, but it's not really worth paying that much for the player that he is, which is not going to be... It's going to be a good starter, and it's probably not going to be anything more than that. And I just don't think that much is worth paying for that. Especially for a a player that is 26, who throughout the stretch of his deal is going to be entering his 30s. And I'm kind of in agreement there. I just I think you'd, you'd probably have to end up overpaying him. The next guy on my list here is somebody that I do actually kind of like. And I think, compared to especially these first two guys, is a little bit more affordable. Jakob Pertl of the San Antonio Spurs, 25-year-old center. Uh, he's a restricted free agent, so that would kind of complicate things a little bit. But um, overall, just kind of your your basic advanced stats, darling center, um, not really flashy in any way, but just solid all around. Smart player on both ends. Very good rim protector. Um, no real, you know, not somebody with a super high ceiling, but could really shine in a starting role. You know, he was kind of stuck behind LaMarcus Aldridge this year. But in his minutes that he did play, I think he got about 17 minutes a game. Um, he showed some nice touch around the rim. He's a good pick and roll finisher. Uh, I, I don't know if he's ever going to really be a shooter. You know, I, think, I guess there's potential for that down the line. Maybe that's something that he attempts to expand his game out to. But I don't think that that's something you're expecting from him. Amadou, what do you like, or, or would you like, I guess I'll say, Jakob Pertl in Cleveland? Um, I think Jakob would be a great fit for Cleveland. Um, like you said, he's a great run protector. Um, I checked the stats. I think he played just under uh, 18 minutes a game. He averaged just about one and a half blocks, which is great. Um the advanced stats, though, I don't know if I want to look too much into those because, again, the team he played for, he played under Greg Popovich, you know, has a great defensive yeah, scheme. that's, that's so. true as well. Yeah, that plays into it. Um, 25, he'd add a run protection. I just don't know how much I'd pay for him. I feel like he'd probably get a contract similar to Tristan Thompson's that we discussed in previous pods, maybe that 9 to 11 $12, 13000000 million uh, dollars per year kind of range. But for that, you know, yeah, I- I'd definitely bring him for that. Dan, do you like Jakob? Uh, 
I, I don't know how much I like Pernal. Um, he's again heady defender, plays his verticality. I, I like, I love that. Um, very good finisher, has good touch. But to me, I just question again with when you factor in he's playing or play for Greg Popovich. Um, I, I just wonder how much. If he really, I mean, has to anchor your defense because that's kind of what you're looking for if you're going out and getting him. I, I question if if that guy can do that for 30 minutes at night. I, I don't really. He's not not very athletic. Um, good touch inside. That's fine. I, I just to me, is he really gonna is is the guy gonna have a better career than Tristan Thompson? I, I don't really know. Probably not. And I, I just think for me, you got to be able to have some semblance of a shot. And at least if you're going out and getting guys and committing or seeking that kind of projecting onward, um, he, he's a fine player in the right situation, but he's come from two, he's played well in two very good situations for him, kind of catered to him. Um, good coaching staffs around him. I, I, ugh, I, Kind of tailor made system. I, I don't really know how much I'd really love Pearl with the Cavs. How how is he going to play with defenders like Jetty Osman on the floor with him, Darius Garland for long stretches? I, I just ugh, I'm not really a fan of Pearl, and and I don't love that he I, I believe shot under fifty percent from the foul line last year. So I would have to check that. But did he actually shoot under fifty percent? Jeez. Uh, let me let me fact check this here. Um, let's All see. Right. Uh, 46.5%, 53.6%. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of rough. I just, I don't really like that that, that, not that that's a direct indicator, but it, it, it's just it like, if you, something. if you can't even make a, or at least attempt shots in the short roll, is I just don't love it in today's league. Yeah. This is, again, of the three guys that we've talked about, he's definitely the cheapest. He is mm-hmm. a restricted free agent, so you're going to have to offer him something that San Antonio wouldn't match. Mm-hmm. But I think that you could pry him away for probably 10 to 12 million, maybe. Where, where would you cap your offer on him as far as money? I think that I think that mid level is fine. That like nine to ten, maybe two two years for that mid level seems that's something I'd definitely consider if you're not bringing back TT. Um, you're buying into Pearl is, I guess in that way. But I, I guess actually he might be somebody you could maybe consider even if or I guess if Dre opts in eventually, you could maybe look at him as well. But I just. I, I don't really. I'd rather look elsewhere, in yeah. that sense. But I, I think I, I do definitely understand where you're coming from with Pirtle, and in at least for I mean, he'd be a really nice like kind of backup five, I guess. But I, I guess yeah, it's kind of like he is in San Antonio right now. Yeah, I, I just I don't know if that I don't know if there's as much juice you're getting from Pirtle on the Cavs. I just I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. Like I guess I think. He'd be a great mid-level target, and if you could get him on a mid-level, personally, I think that would be kind of a steal, but I do think you're going to have to offer him a little bit more than that, just because he is restricted, and even if he wants to get out of that San Antonio situation and find a starting role, um, unless, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge just leaves in free agency, or not in free agency, but if LaMarcus Aldridge is out of San Antonio this offseason, which I don't really expect to happen... I think that ten to twelve million dollar range is a deal that I would be okay with. Again, it's not a contract that's going to kill you if it doesn't work out. 
And if it does work out, um, again, you have a quality starting center. He's not going to be anything absurd for you, but just a, a nice player to have on a not super huge contract. So we'll move on to our last guy here. Evan Fournier, 27 years old. He's a shooting guard for Orlando. He has a $17 million player option. Um, personally, I'm going to guess that he picks that up, but I could also see him opting out to get one last really big long-term deal. Um, reliable offensive creator, um, kind of a three-level score. He's been really very important to Orlando's limited success that they've had just because he's just one of the only guys who can really get his own shot from anywhere on the floor. Um, I kind of question his fit just in Cleveland because of the crowd backcourt that you already have. And I guess we'll, um, we'll start with you on this one, Dan. I just have a quick question. If you're bringing in Evan Fournier, um, is he a starter for you? And if so, are you starting him at the small forward or are you starting over Garland? What are you doing there? Oh, he's absolutely a starter. No question. Um, the guys, uh, Orlando's facing the last few years has been horrendous. I mean, Steve and Steve Clifford's offense is just very, very limited. He gives guys very little freedom. And Fournier just, I mean, the guy can, he just gets buckets somehow. And I, I really like his game, plays at a nice pace, never really can speed him up, um, can create off or make shots off movement. Um, effective off handoffs, got a nice pull up game. He's he's a really polished scorer, um, and and not exactly in a in a system that's really allowing for a ton of three level scoring. So um, yeah, he's he's your bookend starter for sure. I I, I mean, if you're starting him at the three, where yeah, are you starting I, I would I would put him at the three just because I, I think that you'd kind of have to. Um, I wouldn't want him and. Osmond on the floor for a, a lot of stretches, honestly. Like, I, I wouldn't like him at the two as much. I, I'd rather him at, at the three and then have Jetty kind of come in um, and or Windler. But I, I think he'd be fine enough to start at the three. I mean, defensively, he's, there's there's limitations to a degree, but he's he's not going to be as much of a train wreck as Osmond at the three. So I think just with what he brings offensively, it can be – a go-to score for you, um, I, I guess, if need be, or like kind of that 1A with Sexton. Um, and he's he can create a little bit um, for other guys. So I, I just think three-level scorers are, are at that pos- premium position. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd put him there if, if Dre dropped out and you had a chance there. Amadou, how do you like uh, Fournier's fit in Cleveland? I would love Fournier's fit in Cleveland. Uh, yeah. Agree with Dan there. He would 100% start at that small four position. He'd just be a, a massive upgrade over Jetty Osmond. Like Dennis said, three-level scorer. Last year, he averaged like 19 points, shot amazing from the field. He'd be a great fit for the Cavaliers, just, you know, taking maybe that offensive pressure off of guys like Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Um, my thing is, you like you said, the likeliness of him, you know, declining that player option is probably slim. But, you know, maybe he does. Maybe he does, you know, want to get that last big contract. But um, yeah, I, I'd love Fournier and the Cavaliers. I don't know. I just I think I'm a little bit more hesitant on this one because okay, so if you're looking at a player like Fournier in free agency, it's probably because you drafted a big, yeah, and you have right. kind of that hole to fill on the wing. But you still have kind of in his two three spot. You have Sexton, 
Um, lost track there for a second, but Sexton, Windler, KPJ. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you have a new rookie that's kind of in that same position as well. Um, potentially other guys. I just, I think that's just a that's a lot of guys that all kind of bring the same thing in a sense. As far as I, I think. Fournier is probably the be- well, Fournier is the best player out of that group as far as you know what he brings on the court as of right now, but I just think it's a little bit of overlap there, and I don't like the fit defensively. Even if he is an upgrade over Osman, that's not saying much at all. I think he's kind of undersized at the three, and overall, I I just don't like the defensive pairing of Garland, Sexton, Fournier, and Love in theory. I just think, you know, yes, you, you do get certain things from Fournier on the offensive end, and he does, he is a high-level scorer, and especially in a system like Cleveland where, you know, I, I think he, he'd be in a better situation than Orlando as far as that goes. He could really be, he'd be great on that end here, and I think he'd be great on that end pretty much anywhere he goes. But I just, I really question the the logic behind committing that much money to more scoring and, again, just veering away from the defensive end. Um, Dan, what do you think his market would be? Or what, what, what would he be looking for if he opts out of that $17 million? Obviously, he'd be looking for a multi-year deal. Um, where would you kind of cap out with him? Uh, I, I think maybe that 22 or so range. I just think with his wing scores are just at a premium and – just three level scorers specifically are, I mean, even in three driven NBA, um, I just think with what he can do offensively and bring some playmaking, um, I, I just think 22, 23 is about, I'm not saying that I would give him that, but I think that's kind of what he'd be looking at to, to go for. Yeah. Personally, I would, Kind of in the same range as as Grant and Wood. I actually had him a little bit lower than both of those guys. I had him in that kind of 12 to 15 range as far as what I'd be willing to pay him if I'm the Cavs. And obviously that would be probably a four-year contract, especially if you're going to go that low. And that's what he's looking for is just that long-term security. Maybe I could see more in the kind of what he's going to make this year as far as $17 million. I would put a cap at 19 million on a one or two year deal. I just I don't think that your a team will be looking to commit that much money to him long term. Um, Amadou, where are you at with with Fournier and how much money if you're the Cavs would you offer him? I'm kind of on the side of Dan. I feel like if you're going to offer Fournier a contract, it has to be something north of his player options. So 18, 19, 20, 21 million dollars, just because. Again, you're going to try to pry him away from Orlando. And like Dan said, you know, those wing scorers, they're premier. You know, teams want those guys. So, I mean, if we want him, we're going to have to, you know, give a lot of cap for him. Do you, I'll ask both of, you, both of you this. Do you think that KPJ can become that guy? Yeah, I, I'd say so because he came into the Cavs with a better shot than anticipated. Um He's shown that isolation ability. Of course, you know, he's a great finisher around the rim. I believe, yeah, he could become that guy. Maybe not as efficient from three as Fournier is, but I think he can definitely become that three-level scorer type of guy. Dan, how about you? 
Yeah, he can in theory, but I just think with him, he, he's got to be a way more efficient pull-up shooter. And it, we need to see that pretty quickly to for me to really buy that. I, I just think I, I wouldn't bet on it. I think he's more of a number two, I think, just long-term. Um, it, it's, it's tough for me to say definitively because um, he is so, so athletic. But um, I, I just think... It's it's hard to say. Like we can just, I feel like he's he's going to have his ups and downs for a while, um, and I, he needs to. I think shooting off movement and and pull ups or, or like off bounce shooting is is going to determine ceiling, and I think we're going to see ups and downs regarding that. And it's tough to say. I, I wouldn't. I, I don't think he'll ever be the Cavs top option though that's just my opinion yeah that, that, um, that doesn't mean that I don't think he'll ever be their best player overall I think like he uh, to me I think it's I think his passing is is really what jumps out as far as his first year like that trajectory yeah. I think he's gonna be like I mean he'll be a score first guy but I think he'll have more value in kind of the all-around sense but I don't think mm-hmm. he's gonna be like a top option you're probably right about that. As far as like on a good team, he's probably not your number one go-to scorer. Um, I, I believe in him on the defensive end as well. You know, uh, looking at him six years from now, I think he can be a quality defender as well. Um, if you're if you're going to offer him that much money, is that on like a long-term deal or is that more of a, a one or two-year thing for Fournier? Oh yeah, I, I mean, as you said, I mean, I wasn't saying. I was just saying twenty two, twenty three for like a, a team in theory is a top. But yeah, for the Cavs, I, I'd give them twenty million if for I'd say a three year deal. Um, wow, I, I'm not saying it's it, it's not exactly like I'm not saying I'd love for the Cavs to do it. But if they were to do it in theory, I think that's what it would take. Um, I, I just I just look at like why what would bring Fournier to the Cavs like I'm just thinking from a realistic standpoint if you really are yeah. are in on Fournier um, I, I think that's what it would take I, I think it would take a lot um, and north of that option uh, I, I just think with him I, I'm not saying I, I think he's the best thing since sliced bread but. The Cavs, like the three position, they, they just they need upgrades. And I, I really like Dylan Windler um, and guys like Isaac Cajoro. But in, in this sense, if that's what you're looking at, um, I, I think he's just a, a more valuable player. And there's been a we, – we've seen it for a long time um, that the guy can score the basketball in a number of ways. And I just think with the other – like Christian Wood, I, I don't totally buy into him. Yeah, again, I, I think if you're just going to look at, you know, pure score, obviously Fournier's on the top of this list. I just kind of look at the all-around, and I'm not sure I want to commit that much money to anybody in this in this free agency market. Yeah, um, that's fair. That's fair. I just – that's kind of how I feel about Fournier. Again, I'm, I'm a little bit lower on him than both of you are. Um, I just think he's kind of been able to be shut down in the playoffs as well. We've seen that, you know, multiple mm-hmm. years now that – he does yep. kind of slow down at that point in the time in the season as well. Um, any final thoughts about any of this from either of you before we get out of here? I just want to say, right, the Cavs, their situation is just tough right now because 
I just don't feel a sense of direction from the team. Of course, you have your young pieces like Garland and Sexton and KBJ and that fifth overall pick, but then you also have the vets on the team like Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, if he's uh, re-signed, Andre Drummond, we'll just include him even though we're talking as if he'll not be on the team. And then you have those kind of players who are in the middle and the Jetty Osmonds and the Larry Nance. It's tough. So, I mean, these players that we talked about today, I feel like the only reason you're looking to bring them in is if you're looking to compete for a playoff spot, if you're the Cavaliers. And if you do that, I mean, what other moves do you make after then? Is, you know, Garland going to be resorted to that bench role? Or, you know, do you run the Garland and Sexton duo um, back again? And I feel like if you're running the Garland and, and Sexton duo back again, I feel like that's a move you make if you're looking to just, say, rebuild or retool your yeah, roster. Yeah, because so. there's, there's going to be some bumps on yeah, that road still exactly. if you take that path. So I just I, I just don't know. I legitimately don't know what the Cavs are looking to do. But, uh, you know, time will tell, and we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, again, we'll be, this, is, this entire podcast basically is just – if Andre Drummond opts out, which I still don't really expect to happen. It's just, it's, I, I don't know why this has gone as long as it has. I don't know why Andre, like we, we, we've already talked about it. I just don't understand why he is considering opting out. I don't know what his plan is for, you know, after he opts out, is he going to go to Charlotte? Is he going to go to the Knicks? You know, maybe one of those two offer him a terrible deal, but, I don't know why they would. I don't even know why the Knicks would do that. I don't. I don't think the Knicks would be that stupid. Me either, but it's the so, Knicks. So yeah, like, like why would you? Yeah, and they just acquired Julius Randle last offseason, yeah. and, and a bad contract. I, so yeah, I, I it is the Knicks, but again, it's in this situation. I I, I mean, I guess Drummond is trying to take advantage of or paint it that he'd probably be the hottest free agent on the market this offseason from his perspective, maybe. Um, and maybe that's his, maybe his rationale because next offseason is going to be so kind of ramped up. But I just think eventually we'll see him opt in. And and it seems, I mean, given these fetal reports, it seems, I mean, obviously you read into it with a, have it with a grain of salt, but it, it seems like he his relationship with the Cavs is good. I mean, I understand the Damrell report um, about them, really, it, it, that it's been uncomfortable at times, quote-unquote. But I think, I mean, he has to be objective and, and or his representation and just think, like, he's been with the Cavs for eight games. What 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 is, what is the – I just don't it understand what, what where they're getting that rationale that the Cavs should want to extend him. I just, I just, it's not that big of, and the thing is, if he take, goes, opts out and takes a big money deal, I don't know exactly what the dollar amounts would be right now, but if he went to Charlotte or the Knicks, like does, does, I'm not questioning Drummond's reasoning to getting money. I'm never going to question a guy's reasoning there, but does he care about winning and at least trying to be a part of a winning culture? Because he hasn't been a winner in his career thus far. And you would imagine that he'd want to be in a situation that he could. And I would think if for him, opting in would be a really good idea because it seems like... can trade him to a contender yeah. and he can get that money. Yeah. yeah, and he can get it next offseason, still probably a good deal. And it shows that maybe he's can have an impact on a winning team. I, I would think that would be more, make more sense. That's just my opinion. 
All right. Well, here, I actually have one more final question. Would you rather Andre Drummond opts in and we play the Andre Drummond game for at least another half season? Or would you rather he hops out and um, try and target one of these free agent guys? Um, you can go. Okay. Go ahead. I'd rather he just opt out and we just save the money altogether. You know, I'm a person where I really like flexibility. You know, having that $21 million just gives the Cavs a lot to do. They could, you know, go on and take on some dead cab with some picks. Um, you know, if a team is looking to create cap for, of course, next year's free agency. Uh, I just, nobody really, this free agency interests me uh, because I just don't believe, I feel like anybody who you sign is going to have to come in and take away from the young guys you already have established with the team. And, you know, we're not a team that's looking to win. Let's be honest. The Cavs, I highly doubt they'll make the playoffs this year. So going out and spending 10 to 15 to even potentially $20 million on a player and you may or may not make the playoffs, that's just a move that just does not make sense to me. So I'd rather just drum and just opt out and we just have that flexibility moving forward. Dan? I actually would rather him opt in personally just because it, it – I don't buy Drummond as a long-term piece. I don't imagine he will be. But I, I just think it'd be interesting to see the lineup um, combinations with him. Uh, and I, I just think for Kevin Love, I mean, yes, there's defensive question marks about that front court. But I just think given that they have the same representation, um, I, I just think it'd be interesting to see how – like that duo could fit. I still think Drummond could have uh, could be a nice player to have around for us. He seems like a re- seems like a good guy, good yeah. presence. Um, seems like he's involved in the community, and I, I-, I like Drummond. I don't I don't think he's a long term piece, but I just think for the Cavs, it'd be nice to have Drummond back just to just to see what you could do with him. Um, I mean, it, it, they didn't give up a whole lot for him. I'll be frank there. Gave up basically a future second round pick, mostly, but I just think it it's it'd be nice to at least see it through a little bit, and it just seems like their Baker staff was playing on him being there, kind of, and I just think for him it'd be it'd be nice to see if it could the Cavs could maybe zig when other teams are zagging a little bit. That's fair. I'll say if if the Cavaliers could get in particular Christian Wood. And then you can bring back Tristan Thompson. I would rather have that duo than um, than Drummond. But otherwise, I would probably prefer that Drummond just opts in and you just deal with one more year of them. Hopefully you can find a deal and get some value from that at the trade deadline. That's just me. Um, with that, we'll get out of here now. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, thank you, Dan and Amadou, as always, for coming on. Uh, if you enjoyed, review, subscribe, rate, all of that good stuff, and uh, we will see you next time. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.